I'll talk to you about three sure things that I found in the scripture. Now, before that, uh, I, I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize to you ahead of time. I forgot to turn off my halo today. When they put that up on the internet, that's what came up, see. And I didn't even have it straight. But somebody did that. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys messing with me. That's uh, Bill Itell doesn't have a halo. But that's funny. That's funny. Drawing pictures while I'm preaching. So anyway, but tonight I'm going to talk to you about three sure things, absolutely sure things we have in Scripture. There's more than three, but that's all you're going to be able to bear, I would imagine. One thing that attracted me to the Bible and God was the shifting sands of uncertainty of this world. As a young man, at 18 years old, I chose to live for Jesus. I surrendered my life, whatever it was. And you know, at 18, what do you surrender? You don't know who you are, where you're going, what's up. You don't know your, even your gifts or talents. You don't know really much about life. But at 18, I knew that I was, I knew one thing, I wanted to give it to God. Whatever I could offer, whatever possibly I could offer, I wanted to give it to God and did it very young at 18 years old. There are not many things sure in this life, a lot of uncertainties. Everything seems to be in flux, moving, cultural changes. My, oh my, you people that were raised up in the 50s and 60s, what a cultural change we had from today, the people being raised up in today's uh, modern society. We never, when I, city I was raised in, where we were raised, 100 miles east of Chicago in Elkhart, Indiana, we never locked our doors. Our house was built in the 1800s. The, the old skeleton locks, as they called them, they didn't work when my mom and dad never messed with them. Used skeleton keys, those, those things, we never messed with them. The doors, uh, I remember they bought a new car, they'd put a key in it, and they'd never take the key out. <clears throat> never locked the doors of the car. Um, I don't know anybody in my high school. I went to high school now. Graduated. My graduating class was almost a thousand students, so it wasn't a small school. And we didn't know. I didn't know any divorced people. I knew nobody that was divorced. No parents that were divorced. No Catholics. No, no any. I didn't know any divorced people. I heard of that later on. Society was different. Cultures, cultures change. Countries change. Has America changed or not? Laws change. My oh my. You know, the trouble with law is they keep putting things on the books, but they don't take things off. It was a commentary. Comment, I wrote, read a commentary of the Bible, actually, and I don't know how it quite it got onto that, probably Romans chapter 13. And he said, uh, he was writing in the 1800s, and he said, the proliferation of law is making criminals out of innocent people. Now think about what he's talking about, proliferation of law. They just keep making a law till you break one. You know, they make so many laws that pretty soon you, you can't be honest, man, anymore. You can't be a non-criminal. You're going to break some. I bet every one of you probably have broken the law last week in America. You've broken some law in America. And you don't mean to. You're not a lawbreaker. You don't want to be, but they've made so many laws. My, oh, my. They need to take them away. But laws change constantly. Styles. Styles change. Working with uh, Chris, he's 30 years old. Or is he 31? Coming up 31, I believe. Chris and then uh, working with Thomas, 28-year-old, uh, they, they have a certain way they dress. I don't know if you've noticed it. They have a tight-legged pants. 
I don't like tight-legged pants, you know. I don't. I really don't. But they like to wear them tight-legged pants, and I make, I make fun of them. I say, man, what's on? You got little bird legs, man. Got them little tight-legged pants on. Oh man, this is what's in. Sometimes they'll come up to me and say they're trying to compliment me, but they don't know how to do it. They come up to me and they say, "Preacher, that clothes you got on tonight, I would even wear those clothes." <laughs> now that's not a compliment to me. That, that hurts my feet. What do you mean? You, you should want to wear anything I wore. What are you talking about? I'm so square. I'm so square. And the squares, that's a 60 turn. I'm so square that they wouldn't even consider wearing this old man's suit here. I had No-No come to me the other night. In fact, it was just a few days ago. Come to me and No-No looked at me and she was looking at my shoes and she said, oh. She said, man, you're wearing old man's shoes. But she says, I guess it's okay because you're an old man. I go, well, that's right. Old man's shoes wear, whatever old man's shoes are, you know, but laws change, styles change. I've been watching, uh, I went and got uh, DVDs. I was going to say, uh, I was going to say uh, CDs, or, but I got DVDs on uh, old TV classics, Gilligan's Island and various classic uh Mission Impossible, uh, The Honeymooners, and I got those on. They may have those on CD, so my wife and I would put one in every so often and watch it, and it was interesting. And I just was amazed watching those old classics, the furniture, just looking at the furniture they used and, and the way they dressed and the haircuts that they had and the cars that they drove and the buildings. And then then I would finish watching a really funny or good little episode or something, a little entertainment there. And I would say, everybody in that's dead. Everybody everybody in the whole thing is dead. They're all dead. All dead. And I think, man, that's crazy, isn't it? But things change. Things are in movement constantly. It's almost like time travel. When you begin to get old, you look back on things. It's like you've traveled in time. The Bible states a few things that are sure and consistent They'll be they were consistent 2,000 years ago. They were consistent so on 3,500 years ago when the Bible was first began to be written in the Pentateuch in about 1446, 1406 B.C. Uh, when, the, when Moses, by the grace of God, penned the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, they're true today as they were the day he penned it. Why? Because God gave him the things to pen. God gave these writers of Scripture the Word of God, the eternal words of God. That appeals to me. That's why I wanted to know the Bible. So I've, I've looked in the scriptures, and I'm coming up tonight with three sure things facing this uh, oncoming new year here we got ahead of us. Who knows what in the world 2024 has in store for us. Well, I can tell you three sure things about 2024 and any year that you live tonight. First of all, I'm starting out a little negative, but I'm going to get real positive towards the end, so you hang in there with me. But now this is a, these are the sure things. Number one. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure your sins will find you out. I believe it's number 3223. I was raised with beagle rabbit dogs. One time we had nine beagle dogs. I don't know if you've been around beagles much, but I like beagles. People say to me, because I haven't had a dog since I left home as a young man, we haven't had a dog. I don't believe in dogs in the house. I wouldn't have a dog in my house. Uh, it's a sacred place. I would separate from animals, my wife and I. And I know I've just rubbed the cat the wrong way. I just I did that just to rub the cat the wrong way. 
Some of you people share your ice cream cone with a dog. Wow, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. I was raised with beagle dogs, and we had nine of them. I was assigned by my dad to take care of them, and, and I did. <laughs> I can still hear the different tones that they make, and the, when they see different things. We used to take them out rabbit hunting and release them in a field where we thought were some rabbits, and the dogs would start out, and a, uh, a beagle has a cold scent bark and has a warm scent bark and has a hot scent bark and has a sight bark. Four different tones, and you can clearly distinguish the difference. So when you release your dog, they'll go around and they'll start, you know, nose to the ground. They run with their tail going and their nose to the ground, and they're they're going through hunting. And they'll they'll start barking. They'll start barking, but... You're sitting back there at the vehicle going, oh, that's a cold trail, that's cold. After about 10 minutes, if we didn't hear them go into the next phase, into the warm scent, then we called them back in and got in the truck and went to another field. We said, there's no rabbits here. You could be sure there's no rabbits there. But we'd let them out sometimes, and they start out with a cold bark, and then pretty soon they'd get to be jump up to a warm bark. Pretty soon you'd hear that hot sound come out of them. And then by the grace of God, you'd hear that they were, they were in sight. They saw the rabbit. They had trailed that, that, it's amazing. A rabbit can go through an area and, and they'll, they'll know whether it's a week old or a day old or a few hours old or a few minutes old. That trail is a few minutes old. That gives them into the high tone and they go into the high tone and man, they get after that rabbit and they see that rabbit and they're after that rabbit. What they do is they run that rabbit in a big circle. We're standing in one spot with our shotguns. And they ran that rabbit right back to you, right in front of you. You shoot the rabbit as he comes. It's a great way to hunt. You don't have to beat the bushes down or nothing. You just stand there and run. Then they'll run another rabbit. They'll run that rabbit around in front of you, shoot it. Hopefully don't shoot the dogs. That's a, That was one of the big premises on that. Do not shoot the dogs. And that's it. They would, they would uh, everyone had a, uh, every one of those barks is different from another. Where sights you really, as you heard them go from cold to hot. And, um. I think about sin. When we sin, we release on ourselves the consequences of sin. The consequences of sin. Sin is like an encapsulation. Every time you open a page in your iPad or your computer that you're not supposed to be looking at, and it becomes sin to you or lust to you, you have just released, in that moment, you have just released the consequences for that sin upon yourself. You remember years ago we had contact when you had a cold, a little contact, and they had these little tiny time pills, they call them, little tiny time capsules. You'd take a capsule and you could open a contact and there was a lot of little balls in it. And they all kind of, you could, for 24 hours, or maybe it was 12 hours at the beginning, you took that and it would give you medicine released over a period of time over those 12 hours and it would help you. And, and, and give you the medicine you needed when you needed it. Well, I, I kind of believe that's the way sin is. So each of us has within, every sin has within it its own unique consequences. You don't sin, you don't get the consequences of that sin in particular. If you choose to sin, you can't stop the consequences, no matter what you like. You can't stop the consequences of that, just like you can't stop the consequences once you take that contact uh, for your cold, once it gets into your body, it begins to circulate in your body once you swallow it, and you must reap the consequences of that sin. Like those old beagles, 
sin starts, when you first experience it, starts cold, and the consequences begin to get a little closer to you. You get warm. And, the, and the, if I may call it that, as a, the proverbial hound dogs of hell begin to, begin to get closer to you, you hear their, their squeal of their higher pitch, high, hot trail. And then as it gets real close, uh, you hear that final excited, and only, only once you hear it, you'll never forget it, bark of an on-site dog. I believe that's the way there's, there's, I did a whole series on the hound dogs of hell one time and how sin will come after you and finally find you. Some people sin and don't get a consequence for 10 years. But at the end of them 10 years, the, the hound dog of hell gets a little closer and consequences begin to come in on people and they begin to want to run. Hey, and those rabbits wanted to get away from them dogs, but they weren't getting away from those dogs. Now, I can tell you this as a sure thing. Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure. Now you say, well, Lord Jesus Christ, God's son, his blood cleanses me from all sin. It does. But the consequences of those sins roll around. Let me give an example. You get drunk tonight, New Year's Eve. You get drunk tonight as a Christian. You go out and you're going to have just a glass of wine, but you have two or three or four and you get drunk on the way home you you miss you miss make a misjudgment, get in an awful automobile accident, hurt somebody for life, the person you hit, and maybe you lose your arm in the accident and have to have an amputated, and uh, you come to church that night, maybe two three weeks down the road when you heal enough, got out of the hospital, you come to church, and and maybe you come forward, maybe make a confession, brother, I shouldn't have been drinking, but I went and drank, I got in an accident, and I'm just really sorry for it. Would you forgive me? The people I've crippled for life, I ask them to forgive me. But it won't change the fact that they're crippled. It won't change the fact that you've lost your arm. The consequences of sin are like those old hound dogs. It's been said the greatest detective in the universe is your sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. They will. There's no escaping. There are men in jail today that have wrecked their lives and families' lives because they did not understand this truth. My mother and my dad both did a favor to me as a young man as they continually taught me this truth. They continually taught me this truth. They said, you'll do something wrong and you'll be sorry for doing it and you'll cry about doing it, and you'll beg God to take it away, and you'll beg God to change the consequences, but the consequences will come. You ask him to forgive you, he does forgive you, but he, he often does not remove the consequences for our action. Be sure your sins will find you out. Mothers cry themselves to sleep at night because of children who have not understood this truth. They've not understood it. I bear... I, Oof. There were two members of our church years ago that had sons. Both of them had sons, and they, one of them, the family called me up and says, "We like my son's in in the hospital in, in Lee Health Park. Would you go see him? He's dying. Oh, he's dying. I didn't even know they had a son. They never spoke of him. I said, "Well, I'll be glad to go see him. How old is he? He's thirty-five years old, preacher. We never spoke of him because he's a homosexual." And he's dying of 
age. He's dying of age. Well, it's a hard visit. I went up to see the guy, walked in the room, never forget his head, looked perfectly normal. His hair was thick, black, thick. Had a beautiful head of hair, beard. His head was normal, but his body was skeletal. And I mean, you could see every joint. You could see his hip joints. You could see the pelvis. You could see his, it was unbelievable. See his ribs, see his wrist bones, see the two bones in his arms. I couldn't even believe he was alive. And I went up to him and started talking to him about Jesus. And he said, preacher, I want you to tell everybody that you can tell to don't do what I've done. You know, I was raised in an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing home. I knew better. My mom and dad did right by me. They taught me right, brought me to church, let me hear the preaching of the Bible. But I, th- I thought I knew different. I thought I'd be different, and I thought I'd be the one to escape. And I got involved in, in, in this homosexuality, and from, from heterosexuality and morality to, to homosexuality. And he said, I picked up this thing called AIDS, and I'm literally being eaten alive by parasites. Three days later, he crossed into eternity. And as I told him, and as I promised him, I share it again with you. Be sure, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure. Be sure. Don't you think you're the one that's going to escape? Children endlessly long for their daddies to come home and hug them just one more time because their daddies did not understand this truth. People that rob, I never could understand people that rob people, thieves. I never have understood the thief. How many thieves get away with it? People rob the bank. You're not going to get away with robbing a bank. They got you every way. They got you on camera every way, angle. They got money that has, has some invisible stuff that explodes on you and you can't get rid of it and they're going to track you down through serial numbers of the money you spend and follow your trail. They're on you like hound dogs and they're going to find you. How many people really get away with theft? Not you got to be super dumb to think you're going to walk into a, a pharmacist and rob them and somehow your sin is not going to find you out. But yet every one of them has some sort of an alter ego that thinks, though these other people have been caught, I'm not going to get caught. You may be looking at pornography. You think, well, it's not, I, I can get, I can control this. You can't. It will control you. And like those hound dogs were released upon those rabbits, God encapsulated in that sin will release the consequences to that upon you. That's why the Bible says, flee fornication. Flee like the house is on fire. Flee fornication. Be sure your sin will find you out. The second sure thing that I find in Scripture is Scripture. You can be sure of the Word of God. Amen? What a blessing we have tonight. We that understand the Bible and have the Bible as the Word of God, what a blessing we have something that's solid, something that 
generation to generation to generation, it remains the same. I read the old King James Bible, translated somewhere around 1611, and, uh, and it's still it's as good today as the day it tra- those men put that, on, put that on paper, translating all of them from received text. It's good. Be sure that the Word of God will be here when you're gone. You can put your faith in it. Uh, I think of Second Peter chapter one, verse nineteen through twenty-one. Let me just read it for you. We have Peter says we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Now, what's he mean by that? Well, if you look up in the context of verse sixteen, he says that Peter now. It was remember the the inner circle: Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John went up to Peter, James, and John got to see the innermost things that Jesus did. The greatest miracles that Jesus ever did, they were there. They were specifically called to witness those miracles. The rest of the apostles were not necessarily there. They were for some of them, but not for all of them. But Peter, James, and John. And it was always Peter first. Peter was the obvious leader of that group. But Peter, in verse 16, said he was an eyewitness of these miracles. Now, you people that know law, there know there's no better evidence than eyewitnesses. You've got a couple eyewitnesses. You're not supposed to do any, you're not supposed to accuse an elder without, in the presence of at least two, yea, three witnesses, eyewitnesses. Not hearsay, not a good, not a good source told me. That's not an eyewitness, and it doesn't count in court. They call that hearsay. You have to have seen it or experienced it, heard it yourself. You know what you're talking about. Put your hand in the Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth shall help you, God. Well, Peter said that he'd been to the Mount in verse 17, just before this, in verse 19, he said, I've been to the Mount of Transfiguration. I heard, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. I heard that with my own ears. And what's he say? We have more, we have more sure word of prophecy. In other words, the written word of God is more sure than my eyewitness. Why? Well, let's read it. Whereupon you do, what you do well, if you take heed unto the light that shineth in darkness place, until the day dawn, the star, they start rising in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. No Scripture stands on its own. It's all compared with the entire Bible. It must agree with the whole Bible. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved really moved along by the Holy Spirit. They were breathed by the Holy Spirit to speak, to put down what they put down. This Bible here is more sure than any miracle you could show me. An angel may come to my house tonight and appear at the end of my bed and tell me to do something contrary to this word, and I'm going to follow this word, and I'm not going to follow what he says. Because the devil comes as an angel of light, as a minister of righteousness. How do I know that vision that I had was right? How do I know that voice that I heard was right? How do I know that I'm not being deceived? The sure word of God. I compare everything I see, everything I hear, everything that comes by me with this. I've had people come up to me saying, I have a word of knowledge, preacher. I think you should do this or do that. And I said, I always tell them the same thing. God has no problem talking to me. I have the Holy Spirit right here. 
I'm far as I know, I'm right with God in every way I know to be right with God. More than that, I have his written word, which he breathed upon these men and is preserved and forever settled in heaven, the Bible says in the book of Psalms. And so I'm not going to pay attention to you because what you're saying is to do something different than what this is saying to do. You don't think the devil comes by and takes a shot on you? He'll do it to Chris. He'll do it to Thomas. He'll do it to your deacons. He'll try to move you out of the way if you're susceptible to visions and if you're susceptible to, to miracles and if you're susceptible to all that kind of flashy stuff, you can, you're up for deception. How is, the, how is the beast going on the false prophet going to deceive those people in the tribulation? By false miracles. You got a group of people that are looking for miracles. They're looking for something. Beware. Don't look for miracles. Listen, if a miracle comes by, you'll know it and thank God for it, but keep putting your trust in the book. Keep putting your trust in the book. He's saying, basically, Peter's saying, this Bible is more sure than any sign or wonder he had seen and any personal experience that he had had. That's Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I like in Psalm 138, 2, it says, For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. This is more sure than any personal experience. The devil, the devil can deceive you if you're not careful. The angel of light in him as he comes in that way and give you some tingly feeling or rush of emotion or break out in a sweat or maybe take your breath away. But that does not make it true. People, people sometimes are so hooked on emotion, they say, preacher, it had to be right. It felt so good. That was a song, the rock and rollers out there saying, it has to be right because it feels so good. They're, they're totally deceived. Um, somebody will come along, you'll be married to a woman that you've taken vows for better, for worse, sickness, health, rich, reported to death to his part. And you've just taken those vows before God Almighty, before the angels of heaven, before God himself. You said, I'm going to stick with her no matter what happens, no matter what she looks like. No matter if she's a good cook, bad cook, does the house, doesn't do the house, whatever. You're going to stick with her till death do you part or murder, which either. And some old flashy girl comes by you. And said, I've been looking for my soulmate my whole life, and now I've finally found him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. All that romantic stuff. I've seen people leave their woman for another woman that got deceived because they said, Preacher, I finally found somebody that likes what I like and wants to do what I want to do. And it's not just a short time later. They're, they're hating their life and hating. I can't believe it. Do you have to learn the hard way? Or can you just believe God and find out the best way that his burden is light? The yoke is easy, and he'll be with you all the way. God inspires word well us. Be sure your sin will find you out. Secondly, that God's word is absolutely true and steadfast, and it's the foundation you can build on. And you will not grow old 
I was 18 years old. I didn't know much about anything, but I can tell you, 72 years old. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God is true. It's true. I have a life of very few regrets. I don't think there can be anybody, even a born-again believer that doesn't have any regrets because we still have feet of clay. There are some things that I've said or things that I've done I would like to undo but can't do that. But for the most part, I thank God that I obeyed the book, that I asked him to help me obey it, that by the grace of God I've made it important in my life Important where I read it. Important where I pursued it. Important where I memorized it. Important where I studied it. Listen, what's important is not what you talk about, it's what you do. Where's your attention being focused? You believe in, believe in people being saved? Pass some tracks out. This couple that came are coming next week, by the way, from Hawaii. They were coming, whoever passed that track out to Costco. That's fruit. Keep telling people about Jesus at the restaurants. Now, if you're a cheap tipper, tell them you're Jehovah Witnesses. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna not, if you're gonna not tip them much, don't tell them who you are. Tell them you're Mormon. Tell them you're Jehovah Witness. Tell them you're something else, but don't tell them. Man, whatever you do, don't tell me you're independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptists. The third thing that I know for sure is your salvation. Biblical salvation is sure. I don't believe this just because I want to believe that your salvation is sure. Some people believe that we Baptists teach salvation is sure because that's what we want it to be. We teach, we teach salvation is sure because that's what we see it to be in the Bible. The God who knows the beginning and the end knew Judas Iscariot wasn't going to believe, and he was not saved. Judas didn't get saved and lose it. He never got saved because God, knowing the beginning and end, knew Judas was not going to believe from his heart, will eventually betray him even. Judas, you betray the Son of God with a kiss? If you aren't going to go on for God, you're not going to be saved. But God knows the beginning and He knows your heart. If it's real, when you come to salvation, your heart's real. And you really want, you are really repentant of your sin and you really believe Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day of your sins. And in some way or another, you cry out to God to save you. God knows your legitimacy on that. And God wants to save you more than you want to be saved. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the repentance, 1 Peter. 3.9, I think it is. Man, I believe, I tell people, man, God wants you to be saved more than I want you to be saved. God wants my neighbors saved more than I want them to be saved. That's why I learn their names and go before God and pray for my neighbors. Romans 4.16, there is, therefore it is of faith as salvation that it might be, might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not that only which is of the law, but also which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Abraham got saved by faith before the law. 2166 B.C., law didn't come to 40, 1446, 1406, around in that time. He was long before the law, and, and he believed God, and it was counting him for what? 
righteousness. He got saved. He got saved looking. You say, how do you do that? Well, he got saved looking 2,166 years to Christ forward. It's just a matter of perspective. And we get saved looking a couple, almost a couple thousand years backward. But it's all about Jesus, the Lamb of God. Everything foreshadowed the Christ that was to come from Genesis chapter 3.15 on. Everything foreshadowed the one that was to come to take away the sins of the world. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not getting into heaven without the Lamb of God. He's the one, remember I talked about opening the book? He's the one that could open the book. And no, nobody, nobody was, you know, I didn't, I could preach on this, but nobody was found worthy to open the book. There's no man worthy. Only Jesus was sinless. Only Jesus. The, the, the nicest, most wonderful Christian you ever knew still sins and is not worthy to open the book. But Jesus is. That's why he cried. That's why. He, that's why he wept much. Because whoa, if nobody can open the book, we're shot. And then Jesus, the, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah, came forth to open the book and release the seals thereof. The promise is sure. Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they do what? Follow me." You know, by the way, he's the one in the 10th chapter of John I'm talking now, but he's the one in the 3rd chapter of John, except you're born again, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. He'll be born from above. He said, I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. The word never means never. You don't get it and lose it. If you could lose it, you never had it. It's just that simple. It's not something you can get and lose. You didn't get saved by works, and you're not getting lost by works. Sometimes we see a Christian get born again, and then they kind of go back into the world some, and we think, oh, they must have never got it. Well, let's just wait and see. You know, the last chapter of the book's not written to the last chapter, and I'll see them get saved. Uh, sometimes they get right with God on their deathbed, but I'm glad they get right with God. I, I don't think I would put it off that long. You don't know when death's coming. But people get saved on their deathbed. I've led numbers of I'm going to say three or four people to Christ just on their deathbed. Just out. My closest one to death was nine hours after I led him to Christ. He, got, he died. Well, I'm glad for that. I wouldn't plan on that for sure. But my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them to them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man, anything, and I add that anything in, pluck them out of my hand. You can take that to the bank. Salvation is birth, according to the Lord Jesus Christ. Birth is irreversible. You know that. Birth is permanent. Once a child, once a child of God, always a child of God, the Holy Spirit that baptizes you, it says in John 14, 16, will never leave you. And I'll read it. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, my, I, the, the God who made words said that. You knew what he was saying. Does that help you tonight a little bit? I like amazing grace. Many trials come your way. Grace has kept me just safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I knew one of our members, I've told this story, Ori Dumont. I just remembered his name, Ori Dumont. 
Well, that came out of the inner chambers of the Orduman. Orduman, I can't remember his wife's name right now. I had it the other day, but I lost it again. But anyway, Orduman, I think his wife was Hilda, but I'm not sure. He'd been a Christian for many, many years, been saved, been a wonderful God. He had a stroke. He went to the hospital. I was hurt. I was called, told he had a stroke. I went to the hospital. His wife met me before I came into the room. She was very distressed looking, horribly distressed. And she said, Bill, Pastor Bill, I don't think Ori's saved. I go, wow. Why would you say that? And I hope my wife doesn't say that. Oh, when I get, if I stroke out and I'm in the hospital, cussing a blue streak. He was swearing, making up words almost. They were so bad. I mean, he used some bad swear words. He was, I let one in the room. He was just cussing and swearing and just telling everybody that walked in. They were, what? I, can't, I can't repeat any of it. She said, listen to that. He can't be saved. Well, I said, if he was saved by works, he can be lost by works. But if he was saved by grace, through faith, nothing can make him unsaved. I said, the man's had a stroke. So I went to the head nurse. I went to the head nurse. I said, man, what is this? She said, we see that all the time. Leave it to a nurse. We see that all the time. She says, people have a stroke, certain part of their brain, and it's just, it's just the worst part of them comes out. And uh, they just swear and cuss, and we don't pay any attention to it because they cuss the nurses out too, say vulgar stuff, awful stuff. Would If you heard me say that, would you think I had been faking it all these years? I hope that never happens. I pray, I actually, since then, I've actually prayed that that don't happen. I say, God, please don't let me have a stroke and go crazy. Please don't let me have a stroke and go crazy like that. We're saved by faith. That's the way it's sure. You're saved by grace. That way it's sure. Because if it was works, you'd never be sure. You can go to Jehovah Witnesses. You can go to Mormons, anybody of them people, and ask if their salvation is sure, and they struggle because they're saved by works. Catholics are saved by works. You name a religion out there, 95% of the religions out there, whatever they are, all saved by works. They got to earn it, got to be good, got to keep it all the way to the end. Don't mess up at the end. That's not Bible. We know for sure our salvation is solid. It's as solid as the Savior. How solid is our salvation? As solid as the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's the one that saved this stuff. He's the one that made the promises. He's the one that made the offer. He's the one that drew us. He knew what he was doing. He knows what he's doing. You can be sure. Receive it as a free gift. Mean business with God. Determine to give him your life by his grace. Live one day at a time trusting in confidence that God cannot lie. And you can put it down that you're born from above. Three sure things. You Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure that the word of God is sure. And be sure that your salvation is sure. Three solid, sure things. Father in heaven tonight, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for communion. We took the last communion for this year. Pray that your hand be upon us. Thank you for giving us this time, this, this moment in time to live 
to move and to have our being. We pray that we'd honor the Lord Jesus and his work for us on Calvary. Thank you for people being faithful all this year, passing tracks out faithfully, just week after week after week, steadily, faithfully, spreading them all over the place, spreading them in different states, taking them with them on vacation, putting them in places of that there hadn't been a witness for years. Pray, God, that you'd help us be faithful in this area. Oh, God, and we pray that you just uh, help us to read our Bible through again next year. Put our name on the list. Be accountable. Read it through. And in reading it, oh, dear Holy Spirit, teach us. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to know that know you whom to know with life everlasting. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.